Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Well, last week I got some positive response uh, from my little dad jokes. And uh, so, I, uh, so I was thinking, man, I got some good response off of that. So I'm going to throw two more jokes at you today. I, I want to get you geared up before I, before I get into the word. So these are biblical jokes. Uh, some of them uh, that I went through was quite corny. I tried to pick the least corny but somewhat humorous. Anyway... This is not theologically correct, all right? So don't be judging me. What car did the wise men drive to see Jesus? A Honda Accord. Because the Bible says the wise men all came in one accord. (laughs) Corny, I know. (laughs) Number two, last one. I thought this was uh, cute. Where is the first tennis match mentioned in the Bible? When Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. I thought that was a good one, too, for you tennis lovers out there. Yeah, yeah, you got to give it, give it some hands. All right, let's get into the word. I, I, I don't want to keep you too long today. We're going to start a little series called This Place meaning a place for God to dwell. So we're going to look at, uh, we're going to have three messages about really God dwelling in what the Bible calls the New Testament temple, which is us. But to really get an understanding of what it means when the Bible uh, teaches us that uh, we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we have to kind of dive into the Old Testament to kind of get an understanding about God's relationship with the Old Testament temple. And this message really is a message, if you want to look at it in its root form, is really a message about blessing. Because the fact that God uh, chooses and has created a way to dwell in us via his spirit really sets us up for a unique experience with God. Uh, It is really a a wonderful uh, opportunity and experience when we embrace this reality that God dwells in us and in us and through us, he wants to bless, he wants to move, he wants to speak, etc. Now, there is a difference between our faith and a lot of other uh, religions or faiths uh, that we have in the world. One thing that sets us apart There's a lot of things that set us apart, but in the context of my talk today, one thing that sets us apart is the fact that our God desires to be with us, desires to have an intimate relationship with us, those who serve him and call him our God. He doesn't desire to to possess us. If you look at some religions, it's all about possession. 
uh, as a kid growing in the, growing up in the South. I lived in northern Mississippi, uh, but you hear stories about voodoo because of uh, the culture that was a bit south of us, specifically southern Louisiana. And so uh, growing up, you hear about voodoo, you hear stories about voodoo, things that happens uh, when people are interested or get involved in that particular religion. And that religion is a a really good example. It is based off of possession. So people who practice voodoo actually position themselves and they do certain things for a a spiritual entity to come inside of them and to possess them. And that entity calls these people to act out in certain certain ways uh one thing also about our faith is what god does not do is god is not a god that controls us there are certain faiths out there that their quote god is a god that controls them uh they don't really have a fruit free will they are controlled and so when it comes to our god He's not a God that possesses us. He desires for us to choose to have a relationship with him. He's not a God that controls us. He has given us a free will to to choose his ways or not. And the difference that instead of possessing us and instead of controlling us, but wanting to have a relationship with us, really is a a wonderful thing because it teaches us that it truly is a faith based off of relational love. So when you are in a relationship and that relationship is has possession involved in it, there is a red flag on the reality of love in it. Or if you are in a relationship and there is a lot of control in that relationship, then there is dysfunction on the side of love and even could be, love could even be questioned. But when you are in a relationship and there is trust and there is free will, what you have is a relationship that is based off of a loving communion, a loving fellowship, a loving intimacy, a loving relationship. And so what is very unique about our faith is that we believe in and we serve a God that actually wants to have a loving relationship with you and I. And this is a wonderful thing. Because in this relationship, God desires to talk with us. God desires to lead us. God desires to bless us, to protect us, to help us, to change us, to help us change circumstances. And it is even so wonderful that when we find ourselves in a situation to where we have no control, like it's absolutely out of our control There is these things called miracles, signs, and wonders. And we serve a God that is willing to bend nature, rearrange the natural so that the supernatural can occur in our life so that we can experience what is out of our power or out of our control. And it's a testament to a beautiful God that is full of love, care, kindness, generosity, 
etc. And he wants to extend that to all of us. Isn't, when you think of God in that way, hopefully it make, it causes you to realize that, man, this, I, I don't just go to church or I don't just believe in this supreme being, but I actually believe in a God that loves me, that is willing to interact with me, that wants to help me out. And when I'm up against a wall that I can't climb, he's willing to tear down the blocks of the wall. And when you come to that reality, what it really does create, it creates true worshipers who is willing to worship God in spirit and in truth. Now, I don't want to get on a rabbit trail. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 12 and skip to verse 15 and 16. It kind of lays a foundation for us today. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Let's just emphasize uh, three words there. Chosen this place. All right, let's have, let's add a fourth word in there. Have chosen this place. Now let's move on to 15 and 16. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. Can you say this place? This place is very important. What it means is very important. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, which, it, which could also be taken as this place, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. So the idea... With, with the principle behind this verse is that God is choosing an earthly place to be his dwelling and his meeting place. Now, we know God resides above and beyond the earth, but he created the earth and he made the earth a domain for human beings. And because he wants to interact with you and I, he has, through, through the world's history, he has created or established places that would allow him to exist within the earth so that he can interact with the earth's inhabitants. And he doesn't just exist or he doesn't just come to any place. He comes to specific anointed places that he has chosen and deemed appropriate as his house or as his temple. Let's just real briefly look, look, look through uh, some of them in, in, in Scripture. The first place that God dwelt was the Garden of Eden. We know that God met with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was a place that he would visit, he would dwell in. The second place was uh, the uh, tabernacle of Moses, or better description, is the tent of Moses. Uh, 
So we know as Moses led Israel through the wilderness, God instructed him to establish a, a, a tabernacle. It was a giant tent that was mobile, and inside of it had different articles that represented things in their faith and in our faith. But it was a place, the Bible says, that God would meet with Moses face to face. But what's very interesting about that is God not only, or he met with Moses, excuse me, face to face as friend, as a friend would meet with a friend. But what's very interesting about that is that it wasn't uh, inclusive just to Moses. The Bible teaches us that Joshua also went into the tent. And when Moses was finished interacting with God, that Joshua remained in the tent. And we can only assume that Joshua also was interacting with God in this tent or this tabernacle. Another place was David's tent. wasn't a true tabernacle, but it was a place where the Ark of the Covenant was brought and God's blessing manifested in this particular place. Solomon's temple, this was the grand temple, the majestic temple that you read about in the history books that was magnificent. It was created by uh, Solomon's leadership, and it was a place where God manifested. We have the second temple. So Solomon's temple was tore down. Then a second temple went up, and this is uh, indirectly called Herod's temple. Uh, Prior to Herod's leadership, quite a few hundred years prior to that, it also became a place that God would meet uh, with the priest on behalf of the people. And then we come to the third temple that was uh, developed or created in Acts chapter 2. And we call it the day of Pentecost. So when the day of Pentecost came, the Spirit of God rushed into this prayer room and manifested itself inside the believers. And that began the start of the third temple, which the Bible calls the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is you and I. So what you really see here is is God throughout The earth beginning, our human existence, God has always made a place where he could interact with his people. And guess what? It doesn't stop because if you was to read Revelation, when heaven and earth pass away, what is going to appear? The city of God. And the Bible teaches us that the city of God is going to be God's dwelling place. And who is going to to go to and from it? The children of God that is saved into the next life. So we see the heart of God. So please know this. If God is your father through his son, Jesus Christ... You, ha- you are a part of a faith whose God desires to have relation- a relationship with you. Like, if you get nothing else out of this over the next few minutes, please walk away knowing this because it, com- it can completely change your faith. Your faith has a God whom we call Jehovah, 
who has always positioned himself to talk, talk to, walk with, and interact with his children. My role is important, but it's not the most important. My role, in other words, as your pastor, it's important in our faith because the Bible teaches that the five offices of of ministry are for the edification of the church. So my role, along with other ministry roles, is important, but it's not the most important. I could die or you can be put in a scenario where you had no access to a church, no access to a faith leader, but yet you can still have a relationship with God because you don't need the blessings of a priest, the blessings of a pastor, the blessings of any other faith leader to cause you to interact with God because God has created and established a temple and that temple is in you for him to dwell so that he can connect with you on an intimate and personal level. Now, that's not to say the church is not important, and that's not to say we don't need pastors and apostles and prophets and so forth. The Bible is very clear about that. But what I'm saying when it comes to our interaction with God, he's established himself in you to interact with you in a a way so he can interact with you. So... When you compare today and the Old Testament, it is quite different. There was physical temples, physical buildings, but today what we have is physical bodies. Now, why do I say that? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. In scripture, specifically in this context, temple and house go hand in hand in the Bible. So what Solomon was erecting was a temple, but God labeled it his house. What you have is the temple of the Holy Spirit in you, but it's also the house of God in you. It's a place for God to dwell. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit and we are the dwelling place for God here on earth. See, God doesn't dwell in buildings. God dwells in you and I. But oftentimes what happens is when we come together collectively as temples and we start worshiping and we start loving and we start declaring and we start listening or teaching his word, his ways, he just moves and he just manifests in the midst of us. Now, there was a moment in Solomon's temple that God, like, like, came in, that God filled the temple. 
And it correlates very well with Acts chapter 2 when the Spirit of God manifested and manifested in the believers of Jesus. Let me read to both of them to you, the, the, the scenarios. So 2 Chronicles 7.1 says, When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Now let's look at Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. You say they were with one accord. They got there on one accord. Honda Accord. You, you get it? You for, some of you have already forgotten the little joke. Forgotten the little joke. <laughs> and suddenly they came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So really what you have in both, pla- both places, let's, let's, let's look at, at, at the, com- the commonalities here, is you have praying in both places, you have sacrifices in both places, you have fire in both places, you have glory in both places, and you have change in both places. So in the temple that was a building and in the temple that was a body, you have the same thing. God moving, God manifesting. But what's interesting is what initiated the moving of God. There's two specific things that initiated the fire falling, the glory manifesting, and the effect creating change. Two things. Two things in Solomon's temple. And it's these two things that you see in Acts 2. And it's the same two things that we have to have in our life today. If we're going to experience the fire of God, the glory of God, and changes in our life, circumstances, families, communities, etc. And those two things are very simple. Prayer and sacrifice. In our life, there has to be prayer. Now, Jesus got a little upset at one moment in his ministry because things that should have been occurring in his house were not, and things that should not have been occurring in in his house was happening. And he came in, and he got mad, and he got upset, and then he made this statement. He said, my house or my temple shall be a house or a temple of prayer. So he was talking about the physical temple, but yet we know the things that you see physically in the Bible are a metaphor for things that are spiritually in us. So Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. So it parallels with us, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We should be a house of prayer. We should be a people of prayer. We should be a church of prayer prayer when you read when you when you read the account of Solomon dedicating his temple to God and God manifested in it it happened because they prayed and God heard so Jesus said my house shall be called a house of prayer and then a house of sacrifice let's go back to the very first thing that I read let's just look at verse 12 Chapter 
2 uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, house of prayer, and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about what it means to worship God in a, two te- in, in a New Testament way when it comes to sacrificing. We don't sacrifice like they did in the Old Testament. We don't go sacrificing animals. I would encourage you, if you have forgotten that message already, uh, go, go to our podcast. This is a couple weeks ago, and, and check it out. Because what we talked about, a New Testament sacrifice is the way we live the way we live because it says in the Bible for us to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. So, repeating myself for just a second, that simply means when we want to do something that the Bible labels as a sin or something we shouldn't do, we sacrifice our wants, we sacrifice our desires, we sacrifice our emotions that is attached to that temptation, we sacrifice it, we don't do it. So in that way, in that form, we become a living sacrifice. So when we see, when you look at how and why God, like manifested in the Old Testament temple, you will always see the association of prayer and sacrifice. So when there was prayer and when there was sacrifice, and and, and let me throw this in here, it wasn't just a one and done, it was a repeated. It was a consistent, a practice of praying and sacrificing unto the Lord. So when that occurred on a consistent basis, the outcome was the fire of God moving in people's life, the glory of God manifesting in people's life, and people's lives or circumstances being changed because of what God was doing in somebody's life. And it wasn't just like change and circumstances rearranged, but like in, in King David's case, he kept the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God, he kept it in somebody else's house for a while. That person's house became extremely blessed. David recognized, well, this house was just so-so before the, before the Ark. Once I put the Ark in that house, they got hooked up. So then David chose to bring the ark to his tent, and the blessings continued to occur. So what's wonderful about God is when we embrace interaction with him, when we embrace a relationship with our God, what we also experience and what we also embrace is divine blessings that can only come from God. Amen? That doesn't happen if our house or our temple is not set up right. If we are not a house of prayer and if we are not a house of sacrifice, guess what doesn't happen? The fire doesn't fall, which is the moving of the Holy Spirit. 
The glory of God doesn't manifest and changes doesn't occur. That's the prerequisite prerequisite for God making a temple his dwelling place. It's prayer and sacrifice. And I'm ending with this. Worship team, you guys can come back up. It is imperative, it's important that you and I like dedicate our temples, our inner houses to be a temple of prayer and a temple of sacrifice. It, it really, that's, it, 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 if you won't, like if it, if, if you want God to move in your life, like if you want God to, to do the supernatural or, or to interact with God or to experience God's fullness of blessings, there has to be continual prayer, which is just you talking with God. A lot of times in religious circles, when you say prayer, people get the idea, you know, of getting in a certain place, getting in a certain posture, and saying certain things. If you're new to Westside, when we say prayer, all we are meaning is having a talk with God. That's all we're meaning. I know different ones of us has different religious backgrounds, so prayer for you uh, can mean maybe something different than what we mean here. But when we say prayer here, all we are meaning is a conversation with God. That, so prayer is the verb that is used to distinguish two types of conversations. There's a conversation that we have with one another, with other human beings, And it's called a conversation or a talk. But a conversation with God is labeled something different. And that label is simply prayer. And guess what? As we have talked about this for us, uh, 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 who who Westside is our home, that conversation, prayer, can happen anywhere. In the shower, in the car, at work, at home. In nature, in Walmart, wherever. When we dedicate, and, and, and the key is dedicate, because what was happening in the temple when God moved is they were dedicating this place to be a house of prayer and a house of sacrifice. There's a difference when you dedicate something for something as opposed to just kind of taking it as is. What happens, happens. Do a little bit here, do a little bit there. Like when you dedicate something, you are committing yourself to it. How many of you tried to lose weight by trying to eat a certain way? If you did not dedicate your life to that way of eating did it have the effects that you were hoping for no let me say this let's say you dedicated 30 days to a specific lifestyle and you saw results you lost 10 pounds gained two pounds of muscle 
What happened if you did not continue to dedicate yourself to that same lifestyle after those first 30 days? Did the weight stay off and did you keep the muscle? No. Right? Because you dedicated, you committed yourself to a certain way of eating that would have results to your physical being. It's the same way with God. When we dedicate, when we commit ourselves to being a a temple, a house of prayer, and to being a house of sacrifice, Lord, not my will, but your will be done, and that becomes consistent. God then consistently moves in our life. Last week I shared a tad bit about my two dads. My dad and my papa. Like what I'm teaching today, I witnessed firsthand in their lives. Both of those men were men of prayer and men of sacrifice. And I witness with my own two eyes God supernaturally and naturally move in them, for them, and with their family and circumstances. Like if there was any rhyme and reason, if I could put any rhyme and reason on why I witnessed and still witness to this day God moving on behalf of my family, I would sum it up in those two things. My dad and my granddad, of course, along with my mom and grandmom, but just emphasizing the dads today. They were men of prayer and men of sacrifice. I literally saw it with my own two eyes. And I literally saw or witnessed God move consistently on their behalf. I'm here to tell you, for lack of better term, it works. It works. Dedicating your temple as a temple of prayer and a temple of sacrifice consistently get God moving in your life in ways that nothing else will work. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Worship a few minutes and then we'll separate. Father, thank you for your word today. It's just really a word that if applied could lead us into an intimate ongoing relationship with you. A relationship where we benefit more than you do because we benefit from your love, your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your blessings, your power. So Lord, whatever we need to do today in our lives.
to be a temple, a, 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 a temple of prayer and a temple of sacrifice. I ask that you lead us, you guide us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding with people in our lives that can be examples or can be of help. Because God, we, we don't just want to come to church. We don't just want to carry the label as Christian or child of God or however someone might see themselves. But we want to take it, we want to take full advantage of you being our God and your ways being our ways. And so remind us, remind us, lead us to be temples of prayer and temples of sacrifice so that we can experience the moving of your spirit, experience your glory, and experience changes and effects for the good in our life, in our family, in our communities, and so Father, we worship you. We honor you. We praise you. And we, we declare with our words, you are our God. You are our God. And we love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're here today and you haven't made God Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.